Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 5, Acts and chapter number 5 this evening. By the way, could I ask you to add another person to your prayer request list, and I wanted to share this earlier, and I forgot a dear friend of mine, uh, Pastor Jeff Dudley uh, from West Virginia. Actually, he's from North Carolina, but he pastors in uh, West Virginia now for many years. His son, uh, who was born just a month before Rebecca, uh, was an uh, active uh, duty. He was a Marine stationed at Camp Lejeune. And this last Sunday, he died in a tragic uh, motorcycle accident. And to be praying for his young wife, they've only been married for, I think, maybe five or six months. And, uh, of course, his family and uh, just a very, very difficult situation there. Acts chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 12 through 28 tonight. Talking about the apostolic vision and their vocation, what they were called to do. God gave them a vision and something to do about it. And by the way, God never gives us a vision that he doesn't want us to fulfill. He gives us that vision in a way to go about fulfilling the purpose he has for us. We see in verse 12, it says, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them. And the believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes, both of men and women, I love that, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were all healed, every one. Then the high priest rose up, all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation, and laid their hands on the apostles, and put them in the common prison. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors, and brought them forth, and said, Go, Stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with him, and called the council together, and all the senate of the children of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. And when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and told, saying, the prison truly found we shut with all safety, and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we'd opened, we found no man within. Now when the high priest and the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold, the men whom ye put in prison are standing in the temple, and teaching the people. Then when the captain with the officers, then went the captain with the officers and brought them without violence, for they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach in this name? And behold, ye have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood 
upon us. Let's pray together. Lord, I, I love reading this passage. Lord, the lost world looked and saw these believers and misunderstood their purpose. Lord, I thank you for the great love that they had to obey your calling. Lord, I pray you'd bless us as we look at their calling, as we see in that, Lord, what we are to do today. Lord, I believe your work is still needing to be done. I believe that we as your children are called to that same work and that same purpose. Lord, the reason I'm still here, the reason I'm not in your presence right now is because you have a job for us to do down here. Now, Lord, would you help us tonight? Would you anoint our hearing? Lord, would you anoint my speaking? Lord, would you give me the words to say tonight? Would you help me to teach you right your truth? And Lord, may we be encouraged and challenged. May we see the vision of the purpose that you have for us. And bless us now, Lord. In your precious name we pray. Amen. How many of you know that it's not easy to share the gospel? Let's just be honest, it's not easy. I had someone ask me this week, was uh, not a member of our church, someone was asking me about uh, what it was like to go door to door and share the gospel with people. And I said, honestly, I said, it's tough. I said, a lot of people, they don't want to hear. A lot of people, I've been yelled at, I've been spit on. That's only happened a couple times in my life. Uh, I've been cursed out, I've been called names that... I had to go and ask Brother Will what the words meant. I didn't know what they were. He, he knew what they were, he told me. But I, it's not easy. Uh, the world as a whole is not open to the gospel, but praise God for those, what must I do to be saved? For those that we find that are looking, that are hungry for the gospel. But in contrast, I want you to think about what it was like to share the gospel here in the first century. I want you to think what it was like for these believers who went and were preaching the gospel. Can I tell you that it was not easy? They were persecuted. They were hated. They were cut off from their families. They, they were humiliated. They were imprisoned. They were beaten. I could be wrong, but uh, Colton and I... Were you and David beaten last Saturday when you went out? If you were, you didn't tell me about it. Uh, now, they may have had some folks got angry with them. Uh, but we see here in the early church, it was a very difficult thing to obey the Great Commission. And we see verses 17 and 18. The Bible, verse 18 says, they laid their hands on them. Now, I don't think they said, oh, now come with us. <laughs> they, they grabbed a hold of them. They shook them. I believe they were violent with them. I knew a lost man years ago who used to tell me when he was mad at me, he would say, hey, he said, you're going to have a spiritual experience. I'm going to lay my hands on you. Now, that's exactly what happened here. They faced persecution. Uh, we read the indignation of the Sadducees. The Bible says they laid their hands on the apostles. They put them in the common prison. Now, while they were in prison, however, the Bible records here in the book of Acts that the angel of the Lord opened the prison doors. Now, it must have been a miracle because the Bible says when the people went to check it out, the safety was still there, the locks were still on, and the guards were there, they were watching, they didn't see the angel, they didn't see the apostles get out. But the angel came, the angel let them loose, 
And the angel said, go. I want you to look here in verse 20. Go, stand, and speak in the temple to all to the people all the words of this life. Can I tell you that they were told to go? They were told to go and to, to preach the truth. We're going to look at that thought tonight of what they were called to do. They were called and sent to go. And number one, if you're taking notes tonight, we see their authority. Now, a little later, they're going to be asked, Hey, didn't we tell you not to do this? Didn't we tell you not to, to go and do what you're doing? You see, it wasn't the authority of the Sadducees they needed. It wasn't the authority of the culture. What did they do when the angel commanded them to go and preach? Look at verse 21, the very next verse. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. What happened? They went and obeyed. They obeyed. Now, they were just in prison. They'd just been roughed up. They just got out of prison. The angel says, I want you to go. I want you to go in the temple, and I want you to teach all the words of this life. By the way, what life? The life that is in Christ. The early Christians were not called Christians in Jerusalem. They were called people of the way. The, 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 the life of Christ, they were to preach that life. And the Bible says they didn't say, okay, we'll go, but first, we need to get out of town. I mean, they're looking for us. They know what we look like. They just put us in prison. We got to hide. We got to lay low. That's not what they said. The Bible says early in the morning, I personally think that they heard it and they went. The Bible says they went in the temple. Imagine, if you will, if we're not called to do this, but imagine, if you will, if Gospel preachers would go into false cult buildings and start preaching today. Can I tell you, it would be a mess. <laughs> there would probably be some dead preachers. Uh, there would be some folks in jail. It would be, be a real mess. But you understand, they went to the temple. They went and were preaching Christ in the temple of those who crucified Jesus Christ. How could they do that? They had the authority of God. We share Christ under the authority of Christ. I'm reminded of that dear man, John Bunyan, who penned that wonderful book, The Allegory, Pilgrim's Progress. Mr. Bunyan would spend years in the Bedford jail because he would not take authority from the government to preach on the streets. They're not the ones that had to give him the authority. God gave him the authority. And can I tell you, the apostles had the authority of God. We see their authority, but look at verse 20. Let's look at their attitude. It says, go, stand, and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. They were not only to go. You know, if, if, if you were going to go somewhere where you were wanted, where, you know, you 
were in trouble. If I was going to do so, I'd probably get me a wig. I'd probably shave my beard off. Uh, I'd probably uh, wear a disguise. I'd go and I'd hide. I'd put a hood over my head. I'd, I'd get in a corner somewhere and I'd hide. And I could say, Lord, I went. I went. I'm here. Too many undercover Christians in our world today. God didn't call them to be undercover Christians. Their authority, not only their authority, we see their attitude. The attitude is the direction one is pointed. Their attitude was to stand. To stand. In other words, they took their stand. They went there. They took their stand. They made a bold confession. And their attitude was not of their power, their attitude was under the authority of God that called them. Have we taken the stand for the Lord in our life where we should? Or are we hiding? Have we boldly said, hey, I'm going to take a stand for Christ, or do we want to cower in the corner? We see their attitude was they were going to take a stand. Christ died on the cross of Calvary openly for you. You know, you see the artist's rendition. And by the way, most artist renditions you see of Christ, understand the artists that made those were lost heathens, uh, ungodly reprobates. But most artist representations of Christ, you see uh, a very effeminate-looking uh, white man uh, hanging on a cross, uh, draped with a cloth. Can I tell you, that is not the scene of Calvary. The scene of Calvary was a Jewish man uh, hanging naked, beaten, and bloody, whose body was to the point where they went, is that even a human being? Openly for you. He openly did that for you and for me. Now, we ought to openly take a stand. Our attitude ought to be, I'm going to stand for Christ. As I mentioned, they weren't secret disciples. The book of Matthew, I read a passage for you very quickly here tonight, Matthew chapter 10. In verse number 23, the Bible says, And when they persecute you in this city, flee you into another. For verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man become. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master, and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak in light. And what you hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. I love that verse. And fear them, fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father? But the very hairs of your head are numbered. The Bible goes on to talk about how much God's concerned about you. I believe we ought to be willing to be concerned about what God wants us to take a stand for. But they took a stand. It's a costly business. It's a costly business to take a stand for Christ. To be openly on the Lord's side. To bear a faithful testimony for Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 5, in our text, if we skip down to verse 40... 
The Bible says in the hymn they agreed, and when they had called the apostles, they beat them. What happened for that stand? They got beaten. They beat them and commanded they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And the Bible tells us in the last verse of that passage, and daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Their attitude, the direction of their life was they were going to take a stand. Number three, I want you to see, and I believe a good word tonight, their audacity. As the world said, how dare you? What are you doing in the temple? How dare you do that? Titus 1.16. Turn there with me, actually, if you will. Turn to the book of Titus. What was it that gave them that audacity? Titus chapter 1, verse 16. They profess they know God. But in works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient unto every good work, reprobate. Now, there's a difference between this person here and the apostles. We see here they, they claim to know God, but they didn't. What was the audacity they had? If we go back to our text and look in verse 20, they were commanded, go, stand, and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Now, they've been forbidden to do so, but they've been told. How do they have that audacity? Because they were commanded by God. They were commanded by God. By doing that, they face fury. They face, they face possible death. But the Bible says they filled. This is the words of the Pharisees, the Sadducees. This is the words of the religious people of the day. They said at this point, Acts chapter 5, early on in the early church in Jerusalem, you filled Jerusalem. You filled Jerusalem. Would to God that we could fill Edmonton. I have an uncle who served in the Air Force during the Vietnam War, American soldier. He would work on airplanes in Thailand. He would never see the country of Vietnam. Rather, he would be stationed at an air base in Thailand. He would work on the airplanes and load them and all of that that was involved in that horrible, horrible war. He was all the way around the world in the 1960s. So far removed from the little hometown of West Virginia where he was from. And yet just, I believe it was moments, minutes after it happened. My uncle, long before super high-tech internet and telecommunications, understand we're talking about pretty old school technology in Thailand on a military base during wartime, minutes after the bridge fell in Point Pleasant, after those were killed in that tr horrible tragedy, 
My uncle heard the news. The news traveled really fast. He was amazed how quickly he heard that news, that terrible news. And by the way, terrible news travels fast. Terrible news seems to move at blazing speed. And what a shame it is that the message of the gospel seems to slowly creep. And yet we see the disciples here, the apostles, had filled Jerusalem. How? Because of their audacity, their holy boldness. By the way, it wasn't their pride. It was holy boldness. There were voices that were forbidding them here in Acts chapter 5. Voices of rulers, priests, Sadducees, enemies of the gospel. By the way, voices of family members. I guarantee you there were family members that came daily and said, Hey, hey don't, don't, don't do that anymore. You're, you're embarrassing our family. You're giving us a bad name. We're going to have to separate from you and, and pretend you're dead to us unless you stop. And yet they had a boldness. They had an audacity to move forward. The Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs, chapter 29, I'll read for you very quickly here. Proverbs 29 and verse 25. The fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be saved. God says that when we let man cause us to fear, we basically trip up in the, our own trap. i got to share a funny story. I was talking to my mom about it today. <coughs> Last year, my mom had a, put a glue trap in a room. They had some food in there. They had a, a mouse in there, and they had a glue trap trying to catch the rodent that was, had got into the food in that room. I was on the phone with her. And I heard her, she kind of screamed. And she said, oh, there's one on there. And she heard all this. And I heard this thrashing around something. Like, it was horrible. I thought, man, this thing, it's got to be like the size of a beaver. Uh, it was making all kinds of noise. My mom opened the door. She was scared. I was on the phone with her. I gave her some courage. She opened the door, and it was their wiener dog. He got in that room. And she stepped in that glue trap. And she was trying to get off. And the more she tried to get loose, the more parts of her body she got stuck to the glue trap. And she was just flipping and flopping. She got in that trap of her own doing. Christian, we often get in our own trap. We often step right in it when we live under fear. But God says here, whenever we trust the Lord, he protects us. We see in Titus, as I mentioned, there are those who say they know the Lord, but they lie. May we confess truly that we know the Lord, that we don't fear man, that we're willing to have the boldness to believe what God says. How were they able to be so bold? Christian, how could they go from prison leave prison, go right back into the temple, actually in the temple, and start teaching. How can they have that kind of boldness? Because they were filled with the Holy Spirit. We see that in Acts chapter 4, verse 20. 
They prayed for boldness, Acts chapter 4, verse 29. And they were determined, and Christian, get this, they were determined to obey God. Are we determined to obey God? So often we, every day, make a decision. Am I going to obey God today or not? Am I going to obey God or am I going to do something else? And we make that decision every day. When I was growing up, I, was, I grew up under the example of my father. My father didn't get out of bed in the morning and go, you know, do I feel like going to work or not? I think the first time my dad took an official sick day was when he had congestive heart failure because he was in the hospital. My dad would wake up, I don't feel good, but I'm supposed to go to work today. I wish we had that kind of dependability for Jesus Christ. By the way, I wish our culture had that kind of dependability again. I wish we had a, 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 a shot, an inoculation uh, of manhood again in our culture. But the fact is, we have become so, uh, I don't know. I don't really want to do that today. I don't really feel like it. And we do the same thing with God. We see the parallel in our culture to the parallel in our service to Christ. But they had boldness. They had the audacity. They were determined they were going to obey God. Number four, look at verse 20. Who was their audience? Go, verse 20, go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. Everybody there. Whoever was in the temple, if they were from Jerusalem or not, whether they were devout followers of Judaism or not, they were to speak to everybody. They weren't just to go on the outside and say, hey, why don't you come over here, let me talk to you. You look like you'd be interested in hearing that. That's what we want to do. We want to seek out those that we want to talk to. Those that we think, well, I think that guy might talk to me. <laughs> that guy might not be too angry if I share Christ with him. But their audience was everybody. Everywhere they went, they were to preach the gospel to ordinary people. Well, that was what Jesus did. We won't take time to look there, but we can look at Matthew chapter, or Mark chapter 12. And Jesus just speak to the, spoke to those normal people. Just the crowds gathered in the, everywhere. He didn't say, okay, we're going to have a VIP meet and greet. Okay, I want all the official important people to come here. I'm going to talk to you. No, he just went wherever he was. Talked to blind Bartimaeus. He talked to Zacchaeus. He talked to everyone. He talked to Mary Magdalene, by the way, who I'm sure many said, how dare he talk to her? He talked to everyone. We ought to share Christ. Our audience is everyone. Jesus spoke to the children in Luke 18 and verse 16. He spoke to young people in Matthew 19. To older adults in John 3, 4. Where there are people, where there are people, there's a congregation that needs to hear the message. It's been said, you can take a globe and spin it, and pretty much anywhere your finger lands is a good place to share Christ. Now, I'm not sure uh, that would be a good idea if it's in the middle of the ocean. 
Unless there's a raft there, somebody needs to hear the gospel, you find them. But there is no place, no place that we should not go if there's people, if there's people. Most of you know that I love the outdoors. I love the wilderness. I love the mountains. I love being out in the bush. I love being far enough away from city lights that I can look up and see the stars. Most of you didn't even know there are stars. There are actually stars in the sky if you get away from the city. So, Pastor, why don't you live in the middle of nowhere? There's no people to share Christ with there. And God has me in a place where there's people on purpose. And by the way, God has to place you where you are on purpose. Because God wants us to reach people. The audience was all the people where they were. Salvation is for all who will come. All who will receive Christ by faith. And we're charged with the responsibility of making this news known. Number five, their announcement. Verse 20, but the angel of the Lord, I'm sorry, verse 20, go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. I want you to notice the words there, all the words of this life. What was their message? What were they to say? Their message wasn't, hey, you shouldn't have put us in prison. Hey, we came here to file charges against you because you, you, you roughed us up yesterday. We're upset. No. That wasn't their message. And by the way, that's not our message either. Their message was not about religion. The people they were preaching to had religion, false religion. They didn't need another false religion. They needed a relationship with the life of Christ. The message here, their announcement, what they were to talk about, was the words of this life. Or in other words, the angel said, hey, go tell people about your new life in Christ. Go, go share the message of your new life in Christ. Of Jesus who came to give you life. Of Jesus who alone can give eternal life. They were to tell <clears throat> the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel. By the way, our, our announcement, our message hasn't changed. It's still the same. We're to proclaim the words of this life. By the way, that's why your testimony is so vital. That's why you can go and talk to someone who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ and say, hey, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Let me tell you how I got saved. Let me tell you I was lost. I realized I, 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 there was nothing I could do to cover my sin. There was nothing I could do to get God to, to feel like he could accept me because I was a sinner. But I realized and believed that the Bible is the word of God. I realized that Jesus, God's son, left heaven and came to earth, lived a perfect, sinless, spotless life. He, he became sin for me. He died on the cross of Calvary. He'd never sinned. He'd never done anything wrong. And yet he was crucified and he died and he was buried and he rose again for me. And I believed. And he changed my life. That's the message. That's the message the apostles would preach. The message of, hey, 
Let me tell you about Jesus. He found me by the seashore. He told me to follow him, and he'd make me a fisher of men, and I understood he was the Messiah. And I believed in him, and I, I saw him die, and he was buried and rose again. He's the Savior of the world. He, he's my Lord. He's my Savior. He is the Messiah you're looking for as they were preaching the message to those gathered in the temple. That was the message. That was the announcement. Turn to Acts 20 over just a few pages. Acts 20, verse 27. Notice what Paul said. When I was at Ephesus, he said, in verse 27, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. They were to share all the truth, all the word. In verse 30 of our text, back in chapter 5, it says, The God of our Father raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so it is also the Holy Ghost whom God hath given to them that obey him. What was their announcement? What was their message? Number one, it started with God. It started with God. If we start anywhere else, we start in the wrong place. Can I tell you where the word of God starts? In the beginning, God. Can I tell you where salvation starts? In the beginning, God. Our message has to start with God. And we see here that they spoke of Jesus. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus. Jesus, the Savior. Jesus, the Messiah. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, perfect, sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Jesus, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And the Bible says, whom ye slew. You slew. That wording was very appropriate. Because those who heard the message in the temple, they understood the atonement. They understood that atonement that had to be made every year. They knew of that lamb that had to be slain. And they said, hey, you, you killed him. You slew him. He was your atonement. The resurrection is implied here in that message. We see the exaltation, and we see the preaching of repentance and forgiveness, and we see the picture of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit who indwells us, their message as Paul preached at Ephesus, he preached the whole counsel of God. What a message. They were in prison. They heard the angel, go, stand, preach. And what, what do we say? Pastor, <clears throat> if, if an angel told me that, man, I'd go. Man, if I heard an angel tell me, hold on a minute. I have something more powerful than an angel that tells me that. I have the word of God. Jesus Christ, the word who became flesh, told us to go ye into all the world 
and preach the gospel. By the way, they, they should have obeyed the angel, but imagine how much greater it is that we should obey the King of kings and Lord of lords. His message, which is for us. We have that same announcement to make, the same thing to tell the world. The message has not changed. The message is still the gospel. The apostles, their vocation became telling people about Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. Our life ought to be about telling people about Jesus. Every connection that we can make, we got to use that as an opportunity to share that same announcement that they proclaimed in the temple. God's commissioned us. We're living in the enjoyment of the new life we have in Christ. And God's commissioned us to proclaim it. Let's do so. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your perfect word. Thank you for the record of the apostles here faithfully receiving your commission and faithfully obeying the vocation you gave them. Lord, I can't imagine what it was like to leave that prison and go straight back to the temple and stand and boldly proclaim the words of life. God, would you give us that kind of holy boldness? God, help us to realize the powerful command that we have in Scripture from you to go and to tell. Help us to take that stand. Help us to proclaim the message. Lord, I pray you'd help us to fill Edmonton with your doctrine. God, help us to fill Canada. Help us to fill the world. Help us to fill every place where we are. Lord, may we follow your calling. Bless us now, Lord. May you be glorified this evening for our gathering. Lord, I pray you'd bless every person here. Lord, I pray you'd meet our needs. Lord, I pray you would uh, meet these many prayer requests. Lord, so many different, different needs this evening. Lord, I pray you'd bless and meet them. Lord, we trust you. Uh, we're believing and knowing that you're able. Uh, God now dismisses with your grace. In your precious name we pray. Amen.